film and television. Merely entertainment, right? No. There's so much more to film and television that changes our perspectives. And as a result, we can have different, either realistic expectations or non-realistic expectations about what life is really like. Whether it be horror that helps us develop a habit of turning every light on in the house or a comedy that helps us relieve tension in the saddest times of our life. I want to go in the Wayback Machine and find out exactly what movie helped shape you. I'm Oma Shadi, and welcome to the Between the Bannisters podcast. Hey kids, Mama Shadi. It's been a minute. Welcome. Welcome, thanks. Welcome back. Long hiatus. <laughs> because I have a lot of things to do. But listen, uh, this summer I'm planning on a lot more guests and trying to just make things a little bit more of a scheduled even keel. And I say that now, do not hold me to it. But I'm really excited for uh, my guest today. But I know I say that all the time, but excitement runs in my blood. I can't help it. My guest today is Robert Atone, who is a Bram Stoker Award nominated author of The Triangle. His other works include Her Infernal Name and Other Nightmares, which is an honorable mention in the Best Horror of the Year, Volume 13, as well as a suburban folk horror novel, The Vile Thing We Created, which I just finished, and it is fucking phenomenal, if I do say so myself. His short stories have appeared in various anthologies as well as online. He's also the publisher and owner of Spooky House Press, which can be found on SpookyHousePress.com, and he can also be found on Twitter at Robert Atone. He delights in the creepy and views bagels solely as a cream cheese delivery device. <laughs> I'm going to love it. Rob, what are we talking about today? We are talking about Channel Zero Season 1 Candle Cove. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I really like that. And what, I, what I'm really excited about is not only to chat about this because I feel like places like sci-fi and things like that that had these original series that were so groundbreaking and then they just went away yeah and they stopped doing them is really upsetting um because I know we all watch those things and being like shit I wish I was on the staff to have like <laughs> written for that because it is amazing big time but what I love about the intro to this is that it's so it's so psychological and um, generation, like uh, focusing on generational trauma, which is really my bag. I love that. So I want to talk to you about why this one, above all, above anything else you can choose, why this particular series? I don't think, not since the Silent Hill games, have I ever seen anything combine all of the things, all of the different types of horror I love into one thing the way this first season of Channel Zero does with Candle Cove. It's got it's got folk horror, it's got family horror, it's got generational trauma, like you said, it's got supernatural, it's got even sort of a culty kind of vibe to it. It brings that into it. Um, and it even has sort of a, a true crimey um, element to it as well with the, the supposed unsolved Iron Hill murders that sort of opens the narrative but um yeah it literally it scratches all of my itches that i ever have as it comes to horror i love to hear that especially <laughs> when i do get so excited because it happens so seldom right we don't we don't usually get to have like a buffet of all the horror things that we get um or that we want and mm -hmm. i think that what i really like about and to your point is just opening up with like the true crime piece is that giving that some place to start off with because you are you know, in the intro, it's very, you know, um, looks like cable access. Mm -hmm. you know, he's on this show with this guy who's like being really super creepy about it. And it really gives life to who Mike's character is and the trauma that he's trying to live through and move on from. But as we see that it goes on, like it's literally calling him to come back to Iron Hill. What instance, when did you start falling in love with this particular part of the series i remember um seeing trailers and commercials for channel zero and being like what is this like mm. what is this going to be and you know it's not like the internet was new or anything at the time it's only a few years old but like looking into it and then reading interviews with the people behind it they talked about how much they wanted to do an anthology 
a horror anthology where every season was different. And I was like, awesome. That's exactly what I would love. And I think True Detective had been like a year or two before. Mm -hmm. And I remember loving True Detective and thinking like, if this is an anthology type approach that they're doing, I can't wait to see like a full on horror anthology series. And Mm -hmm. I think I was on board immediately because I I liked all the people behind it. Um, You know, not all of them are are in the public eye as much anymore, um, but everybody top to bottom, I was a huge fan of. Um, Nick Antosca, uh, I was a a fan of, and Chris Straub. I remember reading the original Creepypasta and being like, ooh, yeah, that's that's eerie as hell. But then, (laughs) what, did you read it too or no? No, I did hear about it after the fact. And I was like, Um, Because I feel like it was on a Reddit for a really, really long time. And I was like, that's really messed up. Because first of all, anything with freaking TV and kids is always, you you can't take possession off the table. You can't take paranormal off the table with it. Yeah, I think that what is so ingrained in our culture is that type of haunt, like that piece of you know, going back to Carol Ann in front of the staticky TV yep. and knowing that there is something in there, going back to um, Samara coming out of the TV from the ring. Like it's just, there's something inherent in the culture with television and children. And that there's even a line in there that says, you know, was watching too much TV bad for kids. And Mike is like, oh, absolutely. Like, it's yeah, just, it's yeah I love how dismissive there. he is. Oh when yeah, he he's says like, it. well, why would you even fucking ask me that? Yeah, it's like, of course it is. Where's the bathroom? <laughs> Yeah, it's just, just, I know bathroom. Right. I'm uh, also I'm I'm a huge Paul Schneider guy. Um yeah. I, I love everything that I've seen him in and I love everything he's in. Um for me, like I love Parks and Rec, but mm. I love him, especially in Parks and Rec. So then when he leaves, I'm like, oh, all right. Who do I have to root for now? Like Aubrey <laughs> Plaza, you know, but um, which is fine. But uh I'm just a huge fan of his. And like I don't think it's kind of fair that he doesn't have like a a skyrocketing enormous career because he's I've seen him in a lot of not a lot of horror things but like this and this like another horror movie that he's in and he's just so damn good and you know him and Fiona Shaw uh really anchor this whole show name another show where they would give you know um uh, she's not even middle-aged I don't know what how old Fiona Shaw is but giving her like kind of a heroic actiony horror hero role you know like this is before yeah. halloween 2018 um before that trend even started and we had fiona shaw doing it here yeah and she's so her arc is really spectacular in this because she comes off very like um i don't necessarily meek in the beginning but she's bewildered yeah. like why is he back and now she's kind of got to drudge up all this stuff and she's very guarded and then as he opens up to her she you know freaks out but then at the end of the day she's still really super protective of mike um because she gets it i think she's finally starting to like understand that things go so much deeper especially after they find a few things um out but i love her period like i just think that her her dynamics with mike give breath to that generational trauma piece because we do go back and see how she was struggling and she was young and she didn't understand and she couldn't handle things. And I think that that is incredibly relatable with most parents. Um, When, when something traumatic happens or there's a death in the family or there's divorce and it's like, you're struggling to figure out how to um, explain things to kids. And sometimes kids aren't that resilient and some things, you know, linger. And that's definitely what she was able to pick up with that role and I within a horror piece with everything else going on still having to deal with all that stuff with big Mike coming back and now it's all it's all new again um I think I think about how to rectify things I think about that scene when they're at the kitchen table and Mike tells her yeah "Yeah." you know and and her reaction is unbelievable like her and, and I feel it's just very natural and very real like everything about her performance is just grounded so much so in the reality of the situation mm-hmm. and it's really unfair that like more people don't talk about her and him in this show it's just it's not you know fiona show has been awesome in everything i've seen her in she yes. like my <laughs> wife and i watched the mario brothers movie the other night and she's like 
She was like, who's that woman? I was like, that's Mike Painter's mom from Channel Zero. <laughs> that's Mike Painter's mom. He's <laughs> <laughs> so offended. <laughs> I was like, I'm leaving. I was like, goodbye. But um, yeah, I just, I think like um, falling into the, these like different types of, of tropes or whatever, like falling in love with them for me, I, I, you know, I think, and again, I think I, there hasn't been anything other than like Silent Hill that really brings it all together. Um, but like falling in love with it gradually over time. Like I think the first was like full core because I saw the Wicker Man when I was stupid young. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah, like you can't go wrong. Christopher Lee with his hair looking crazy, all like on a cliffside in Europe. Like, how could you not? Um, but you know, then like The Exorcist, I think The Exorcist and The Wicker Man were around the same time, but I, I love The Exorcist more. But it all kind of goes hand in hand, but like, it's so weird. Cause like, I love that 70s stuff so much more than anything modern. And then something like channel zero comes out candle cove specifically. And it's like, Ooh, like this is all of it. And they do it perfectly. Like that whole, the whole roster of talent behind this, like Harley Payton, Max Landis, Nick, Nick Antosca and Chris Straub, top to bottom oh and don mancini too mm-hmm. um was behind this like that is just an unbelievable that's like you know the 98 yankees of horror guys it's uh, like all together in one place the only thing they were missing was like mick garris right you know like if that was that would have just plussed it yeah. you know it would have been amazing yeah and I, and I feel like the and i feel like we'll get into this later but just even the the monsters that are within this could have been really cheesy looking mm-hmm. um but the fact that they are just really you know life-size versions of what they're seeing on the screen makes it even more terrifying because it's like oh wait how big is what's going on in the screen is it real is it life-size what's going on yeah. and that's what really like made me drown like the skull the jawbone character oh. <laughs> um i don't like it all but no. i think that that was really very very visceral when you first see it especially out in the field in the middle of nowhere you're like what no <laughs> that's gonna be a hard pass i remember th- there's one monster or whatever i and it happens a couple times in the show but there's one that has i can't remember which one it is. i know what he looks like but i don't know who it's meant to be the representation of and it takes sticks and stabs itself in the eye and mm, it's all practical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's the coolest thing about it is like on a lesser show, they would have just CGI'd the whole thing, but this thing is like digging in its own face. Yep. And then there's like another one too, that it looks like, it almost looks like um, Cronenberg from Nightbreed with the, the, oh, with the mask. zipper mask. Yeah. Yes. That, and he's like, he does like a hand gesture. That's just like, yeah something and i know obviously it's an audio thing but like he throws his hand at his throat and then at his face and it's just so unnerving and weird and it's like give me that more because like just seeing those the creatures in this particular uh entry of channel zero for me are scarier than like m3 gan megan or like whatever that (laughs) mathregan mathregan yeah like any of that stuff is just like nah man like candle yeah. cove <laughs> and it's and it's so quick too it's sometimes and it's blips um yeah. that's what's really frightening because that gives me like almost like a jacob's ladder vibe to it and i think that that is was very frightening for me i was like kind of broad daylight just watching this on my couch like okay. yeah it's and then um, like i think that's the true mark right of something that's really good because when it's horror in the daytime when that works it it's you know it's good like it yeah. and you know and I, I had a conversation about like superheroes and stuff and, and talking about like you know batman in the daytime like you don't you haven't really ever seen that until the newest one and it's like yeah. but it still works you know so like horror in the daytime is effective in so many ways like hereditary the best parts of hereditary all happen in my opinion during the day like when they're seeing yeah. cult members on the periphery and stuff like that. Like that's the most interesting stuff. But yeah, Candle Cove is mostly a sun-drenched horror yes. show, right? Like I can't Yeah, there's think very really. little night pieces yeah. it, like or or you know it's assumed to be night because they're like laying in the bed with the lamp on or right. but there's not a lot of 
there's some like dark like woods <laughs> tim goes in the woods like a dumbass um <laughs> another like, another one of my favorite tropes too is like horror in the woods like i i the woods are in like everything that i write by yourself oh yeah, well, i love like, that stuff man, dude. Oh. <laughs> why would you so i love the fact that we're chatting a lot about this and how passionate you are about it because I think it connects naturally to something we're going to talk about later but I want you to let me know how do you feel that this particular show once you saw it and it really resonated with you how did it shape you as as a writer as a horror fan from that point on I think <clears throat> I'm, I'm always going to be trying to chase that level of darkness mm -hmm. in my work because I, I don't think like um I don't think it's easy to do, but I think it's fun to try. So I think that's a big reason or a big, you know, influence on my own stuff is like, I, I always want to push myself to do something as good as something that inspires me. And in this case, how it balances. And also like, to be fair, this is also a very big cast. Like we didn't mention all the other people who were in it, but they were all top to bottom. They're all mm -hmm. hitting home runs. Yeah. Um, From the, the, you know, the smallest role to the biggest. And like, there's not a, that's a big part of it too, is like balancing a big cast as well as the darkness of the storyline without it being so oppressively dark. Like it's not hereditary, which is oppressive as hell and super dark and just like, ooh, like cringy to the moon. Doesn't let up. <laughs> yeah, like this has moments to breathe. Like we get really nice character moments, especially with, um, the uh the deputy not the sheriff but his like second in command yes um we get a lot of really great character moments with her and we get a lot of really great character moments with mike and his mom and his mom in general mm -hmm. and um even with eddie as a little kid like that kid i don't know what the hell else he's been in but that kid should be in everything because yeah, they were so good yeah i know i don't know was it one kid or twins playing i, the... I think it might be twins wow but either way like just just ridiculous range out of both of them oh and when like, he breaks his finger i was so upset oh my god <laughs> that's the part that makes me cringe every time i can't like i could watch people get ripped to shreds but if you show me like broken legs broken arms and shit oh. i'm like nope i'm fucking out oh, don't mess with <laughs> that's my that's my i'm like don't mess with kids please yeah <laughs> that look of hurt in eddie's face when mike gets him with the hook oh yeah you know He's like, like that. how could you like why are you doing this like you were supposed to love me above all others and and he shows him that same hurt when he confronts him at the end in the the candle cove world that eddie has built yeah which has curtains that look like they're made of like membranous flesh or yes. whatever Ugh, i love it <laughs> so good. Love everything it. just looks wet and smelly and weird and like a little like Everything is so warped for Eddie once he's gone into the other world that he yeah. doesn't have any idea. And he's surrounded by these things. Yeah. Ugh. And, and I and feel like I've got like the, the, what I got was like, it almost seemed like they were inside like a whale or something. Like they were ooh. inside like something. Laughing stock the ship or in the yeah. cave. Yeah. And just the names for these things. Skin taker, jawbone, laughing stock, um, pirate Percy. Like it's all, it's, it's so creepy. Like I think I, I think of I say it to my wife all the time. I literally am always like, "You have to go inside." I know that's so weird. You're I love it. And Bravery Cave. Oh, they're over there. That's Bravery Cave. Ugh, this is a show I would have watched growing up for sure. I know we all would have. Like think about like freaking Mister Rogers and like Madam and like all kinds of stupid shit that we watch. Like. That definitely would have been a generational thing that we were watching growing up. Hundred. Yeah. Where was my candle cove? <laughs> Nowhere. Damn. Leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's kind of cool too to think about is like I know a lot of people hold, uh, and I've never seen it, but I, everybody's told me how great it is. But it's um, there's like a, a kids' cartoon show that's very spooky or whatever. Oh, what the hell's the name of it? It's on Disney now, but I don't think it was on Disney originally. Ooh. But it has like some cosmic horror elements to it. Huh. And a lot of people are like, yeah, if you like Channel Zero Candle Cove, like you probably like this cartoon, even though it's not as hardcore. Oh, is it Gravity Falls? There you go. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's what I've heard show. anyway. Like I said, I've yeah, it's a super good it. show. <laughs> yeah, it's, it sounds cool. 
I don't know why I haven't gotten first off. Of all, first, I was like, is it Billy and Mandy? It's not Billy and Mandy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I thought that sounded really neat. But um, I don't think, and I think a lot of people, you might disagree with me, but I don't think season two of Channel Zero holds up nearly as much as the first season. I also can't really watch season two because it deals with a parent passing away. And uh, that's still like a very fresh thing for me. But like- yeah. Season three, I think, is pretty solid. And then I think season four <clears throat> is almost as good as uh, Candle Cove. But it's, I think, overall, you know, they, they hit home runs. And, like, sci-fi mm-hmm. at that time was really rolling the dice with some cool content. Like, they had Channel Zero. They had that show Happy with, um, what's his face, Stabler. Yeah. They had Joys. Yes, and Killjoys was cool as hell. And they had, yeah. I think this was that was the beginning of Winona Earp, too. Yes. Um, because Battlestar Galactica had ended like the year or two before, which was great. I mm-hmm. loved Battlestar, I could watch that all day, every day. But like, they had that weird renaissance. And you know, I am happy that I just actually bought the box set of Channel Zero, even though I could watch it whenever. I want that physical media just in case, you know? Yeah. Um, but like they had that time where they were really taking big swings. And I think Candle Cove and, and you know, three out of four for me are awesome. Like they're really good. I know a lot of people don't really like season three that much. I think season three is fine. But um, yeah, God, Candle Cove, man. Like I, it's going to be really hard for me to find a show that tops that. Like, and I mentioned the True Detective thing before. And even though my, my opinion of, True Detective has soured a little bit over the years after learning that um, What's-His-Face just stole everything from Laird Barron and from uh, Thomas Ligotti. Um, That first season of True Detective, I think being directed by one person, really shows how good episodic um, anthology television can be because Candle Cove is the same thing. It was directed by one person. And it was like one singular vision that carried it all the way through. So I think those two shows and those two seasons in particular could serve as a blueprint going forward if other people wanted to like attempt something like this again, even though clearly it's only good for four seasons. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, but the Pretzel Jack run messed me up. Absolutely not. I think that was the dream door. Um, Yeah, I love that. Yeah. No. (laughs) I call him, I call him Cutie the Clown. That's what I I call him. I always tell my wife, I'm like, can Cutie the Clown, can we watch Cutie the Clown? And she's like, he's not cute. No, his smile is a little too, I can't even think about it. That, um, and that's an interesting one because that creepypasta is also remarkably short, just like Candle Cove. Mm -hmm. But the the elements that they layer into it are so much better because that creepypasta is good, but it ends pretty abruptly. Yeah. And the way that they spin it and add so much to it is so good. But like in Candle Cove, the only thing that's the, if you haven't read if any of you know listeners or whatever if you haven't read the creepypasta you can't find chris straub's books on amazon which you very easily can by the way um even though he self-published two volumes and one volume has like 30 percent of what's in the other volume so it kind of sucks you have to double dip to get everything it's mm, like eh, okay it's a little cringy but like the whole creepypasta more or less is in the first episode when Mike goes back to Iron Hill and he's sitting mm-hmm. with his friends at dinner. Like that's literally the creepypasta is them talking yeah. about this show. Yeah. Um, which is really cool and really effective. And it's awesome that they put it almost word for word from the creepypasta yeah. into the show. Um, that does not happen in the other seasons because even yeah. though those seasons are based on creepypastas, there's not the opportunity to work them in really at all. Yeah. And I think maybe because those other ones are so short that you can't really, you can't really elaborate too much without breaking it apart and making it something else. <laughs> like yeah. you have to kind of elongate it. But I think laying the groundwork in that first episode, and especially how awkward everyone is with Mike, mm-hmm. because then as the se- as the season goes on, you can tell everybody has a particular misgiving with Mike, but it, they're yeah. all different. Um, like with with um tim always thought your family had something to do with it you know having like um oh my god what's her name um jessica is like you know i 
I feel like they kind of had a thing and she always kind of trusts him, but you know, she kind of got left with the second banana because he skipped town. Like yeah. it, you know, there's everyone's got some kind of, you know, pushback or some kind of issue with Mike um, because of what happened. And I think that that is also interesting to see how people and especially children deal with death around them and how they try to justify it and how it doesn't like in even as into adults um we have a really hard time justifying things i was talking to my friend the other day not to sidebar too too completely far but we lost a friend um to a drunk driving accident when we were 14 and i think when we were 14 we were just like wait we can die like it didn't like register to us that that's something like something like that could happen to us and i feel like we were all still really messed up from that because we did we didn't know how to justify it and then but that was also you know early 90s where we were still all like drinking underage and having house parties and like the next couple of weekends like everybody was at a house party and everybody was drinking it's like we didn't really learn from it yeah we just tried to bury it and i think that this is what you're seeing in that initial scene is what everyone's tried to bury and everyone's just trying to be super jovial um, with Mike because he's back, but everybody has some kind of underlying issue with him, um, which feeds the rest of the the episodes because you really get a glimpse of how everybody's interacting with him. And you also get that kind of twinge where, oh my God, why am I forgetting his name? The sheriff. Why am I forgetting his name? <laughs> no, yeah, uh, I don't, you can just call him the sheriff. I don't okay, remember his the name sheriff, either. But Jessica's husband sees yeah. how her, she still kind of has a little twinkling for Mike. Yeah. Um, and what they used to do together and how they have memories together and he doesn't have that with her and you can see where their their resentment is there like not only did this tragedy surround you and everybody was looking at you because of that you also have her a piece of her that I don't have too so we start off with people being really kind of knives out with him from the very beginning while he's trying to justify this other scary bullshit and it's it's pretty relatable and I, it sounds stupid to say, oh, well, you know, the creepy pirate show comes to life and it's totally relatable, but, um, <laughs> but I think, you know what I mean by that? Like there's so many um, adult uh, themes throughout this of like trauma that hasn't been, you know, resolved. And I think that yeah. that's super, super important. So because this is your favorite season, is there anything, and I always ask this of my guests, is there anything that you wish they did differently or you wish didn't happen story-wise throughout this season? Um, I think I, but you know, and it's a selfish thing, but I would have loved to have seen some of those creature designs more. Yeah. That's the only thing I, what they did was perfect because obviously I'm sitting here still thinking about them <laughs> and I, about you it. know, like, and, and, and they just look so damn good, but like, I guess it's a situation like in the, when they were making the thing when, um, you know, Rob Bottin made all those monsters and he just kept them in the dark. And Dean Cundy would be like, dude, you made beautiful stuff. Let me put some light on him. And, and Rob Bottin is like, no, 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 more slime, more darkness. And it's like, all right, man. <laughs> so like, yeah, you're the I think boss. it's a situation like that, like where they, they gave us what they wanted to give us. But like selfishly, I want more. Like I love, you know, skin takers corporeal form of the child or Ed, Eddie's corporeal form as the, the tooth child. I think that's really fascinating. And that is such a cool, gross monster. And I remember why, you know, I, I watched this when it first came out, but I remember watching it with my wife the first time. And I think there's that part where they mention how Mike's not Mike's mom, but, uh, or so I might be Mike's mom has his baby teeth has their baby teeth or whatever still yeah um, oh or the, yeah it was the teacher that's it yeah. she has all the baby teeth and i remember saying to my wife like my mom still has all my baby teeth and she has like my hair hair yeah yeah and my wife was like that's so weird that's so gross and i'm like is it weird i don't know and then like i started thinking about it and i was like wow you know what that's like another weird uncomfortable creepy ass thing too that yeah. like I can connect to because it's like, well, my mom has all, if she wants to clone me, she can. And I later on turned that into a short story uh, <laughs> because of this discussion. So like, I don't know. I think it's the way that they deal with the trauma mm -hmm. feels so real to me too, because, you know, we don't ever want to confront things like that's mental health in general. Yeah. You know, and that's like psychology and, and psychiatry in general. 
we put off things, dealing with things for as long as we can. Unless you are actively in therapy, you learn these coping mechanisms of like, okay, well, no, I don't want to put this off. I want to feel this and I want to figure out where it's coming from. Like I wouldn't, I, you know, I've put off things for 30 something years until my dad passed away and I went into therapy. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, ment- like with mental health and stuff, I feel like I'm a stronger person because I'm able to deal with these things as they happen, as right. opposed to bottling them up. Sure. You're and out of survival think, mode. Absolutely. And I think Iron, the people of Iron Hills, um, or Iron Hill, rather, I almost like Silent Hills. Um, <laughs> I think like, you know, they don't have that. And it's not even because it's like, oh, well, it's small town America. They're a pretty forward-thinking small town, I think. Um, they're certainly not made to be or made to look like bumpkins, really. Right. Um, but again, like it's just an uncomfortable thing that people just do not want to deal with, whether you're super, you know, intellectual uh New York City or a small town in Ohio. You right. know, you don't you don't want to deal with certain things. And unfortunately, in this case, it all comes back to haunt you, even when they're confronted with the completely provable truth that this show never actually existed. Mm -hmm. It it was something coming through and they all have the same memories. And which is literally the, in the first episode. Yeah. And they still are like, "Mm, no, 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 it wasn't that. And it's like, you're all remembering. This is like not a shared delusion. Right. Um, All remembering seeing it. Yeah. And also there's also the element too, that they ignore clear signs that something's wrong with the kids throughout the whole show. The only one who doesn't really is the um, deputy. Yeah. She's kind of the only one like something's something's, something's wrong. Cause they're stabbing yeah. a doll in the middle of the road. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just found them stabbing a CPR doll in the middle of a field. Yep. Um, like, running away. Oh my God. I'd so be like, weird. Fuck them kids. Bye. <laughs> but you, but you, it's really it's it's cool storytelling too to have her be the one to see the kids in those costumes because she never saw Candle Cove. Right. So to her, oh, these are just kids in weird costumes. Little does she know, it's like, oh my god, <laughs> like they're right. literally the characters from the show. You need to chill. Right. Um. Yeah. And I no, think she's like the cool. audience's piece too because we're seeing kind of everything, you know, at thirty thousand feet and being able yeah. to like grasp it all. And having one person that is not necessarily unaffected, but just being like, to Mike's point, like, it's just going to spread. Yeah. Like, more kids are going to be like, like, his freaking daughter, like, got there. Nobody knows how the hell she he arrived. We still don't know that. I was um, just thinking of that, too. I was like, and that's a, another really creepy ass, inter- like, interesting thing is like, yeah. oh, cool. There's my daughter. Um, She's in New York. Miles away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so weird. This show is so weird and so awesome. I love it. And that's, that's perfect. And I think that there be, we can be critical of the things that we like because we see a, our, the shows that we like give us so much of a positive. We want, we wish we had more of like X or yeah. you know, I wish you could have just shown us X. And I don't feel like it's maybe critical is the wrong word, but I think that it's interesting to find something that we love and be like, oh, like I wish they'd have like, just had like one more episode to like tie up blah 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 because we just want to be with those characters longer and that story longer and yeah. I think it's such a such a cool piece of as a writer and as an as people who entertain through media um I think that's a really good praise to have that we just wanted to stay with your story longer and I think that's completely amazing so I want to ask if we're talking about what you wish didn't happen what is your favorite scene from the series or this particular season i um i do I'll like give the you ending. three i'll give you three. Oh, okay cool all right so <laughs> i love the ending i love mike turning the television off to protect yeah. his daughter i really love that a lot i love mike and eddie playing cards in the like flesh belly of the beast belly of the whale i like how you word that belly of the whale like other world place where the creatures are kind of walking around around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, as much as like it sucks because I, there's not really a character I don't like other than the, I guess his name is Tim, right? The taller guy with the big ears. Yes. I don't really like him, but I do like pretty much everybody else. I like 
the scene with Jessica and the kids when they get her. Right? Jessica is the the love interest girl. Yes. I can't. I'm so bad with the names, but um, <laughs> Sheriff Tim Jessica. Sounds yes. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when she when she meets her end, I think is particularly spooky and just yeah. very and again it goes to the idea of like you know she has the ability to do it but because who her attackers are she doesn't want to the fact that they're yeah. children uh including one of her own kids mm-hmm. um the one who's not in the hospital she doesn't want to pull the trigger and she doesn't want to end a young kid's life and that's another long-standing horror tradition children in horror right like that's, that's i just kids. wrote an article about it um spooky kids i love yep. spooky kids yeah and uh you know but again she does she's her demise is as much as i like her it is a great death scene and it is a badass moment in that show and it comes out of nowhere like we don't think that that's going to happen we think she's the lead or not the lead but like no, she's somebody important that's going to stick around <laughs> yeah and we want her to too like it's not like we're rooting for anybody to die you know and i'm i'm I will say I am glad that Fiona Shaw makes it all the way through yeah. like that. That is awesome. And she takes quite a few hits. Yeah. So she's so badass. I love her. I know. I, I just, I love her whole dynamic in this. I absolutely do. So I'm yeah. going to ask you, sometimes a story is just a story, but what do you feel in your opinion is a personal allegory for this season? Or what do you feel like this story is trying to say? I think this uh, this entire story is trying to let you know that it's okay to confront the things that you bury inside. Um, it you know, literally, it's right there. You have to go inside. It's okay to do that. It's okay to confront the things that bother you and to confront the things that you've put off for a really long time because you're going to need to because you don't want them to turn outward and and hurt either yourself or someone you care about. So yeah, I think that's an allegory for for seeking help and seeking you know, clarity, you know, through one's emotions or through one's history. Oh, beautifully put. Chef's kiss. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. Nice and succinct. It was gorgeous. Uh, Because sometimes, you're welcome. Sometimes it it is just being like, oh, it's just a story to entertain. But I think that was especially interesting about like creepypastas like that or things that are like incredibly short, like two sentence horror stories and other things like that, like they have such a broad reaching aspect to them and can be extrapolated on in many different ways. But especially something like this, like like you said, to where like it, you have to go inside. I think that it's just a, such a smart way to show us how no one, as the adults, no one was dealing with their problems at all. Yeah. Absolutely no one. Yeah. And I think that that is just highly intelligent writing and then having that true crime piece in the beginning just to kind of bring all of those um pieces together for the story was just incredibly smart yeah and even the guy who's trained to know that you have to confront these things does not confront these things yeah yeah oh like he's for kids for kids not for me yeah yeah he especially (laughs) should know like come on man not for me but i feel like like i know (laughs) I like how when she takes a hook and she's like, don't fuck with my feet. I laugh so hard. I was like, oh, she said it. Sliced her own Zorda. But I, what I think is really cool about this, and I'm going to do my finest segue as I possibly can. Um, if we're talking about like parenthood and children, mm-hmm. what do you have coming down the pike in these next couple of weeks? Yes, I have a book coming out called The Vile Thing We Created, which combines uh, family horror, suburban horror, folk horror, all into one juicy uh, nugget uh, that you can enjoy. (laughs) It's coming coming April 18th, and it's from Hydra Publications. Oh, I'm so excited for it. I really am. And I'm not going to spoil absolutely anything because you have to read it. And it's definitely, it. if you have children, it's going to make you squirm about things. If you don't have children, it's going to make you squirm about things. And it's probably <laughs> going to be like, thank the Lord. Um, <laughs> but also, I think it's such a really good um, study as to having to feel like you need to have shit figured out and be able to know what to do 
even yeah. when shit hits the fan and how helpless that all is how absolutely helpless you can feel in those situations i was thinking you know and and this goes with candle cove too but like i like horror where people make good decisions and where they make intelligent well thought out decisions so like with the uh, the vile thing we created like the the people the couple ian and lola they don't just become parents on accident or anything like that they they take the time to really discuss their options and whether or not they're prepared for this and all of that stuff and i think like that's something that some parents do and some parents don't do that um and candle cove is a show where people make very good decisions and it doesn't work out always yeah. how they want and it's the same thing that i wanted to do in the book and i guess maybe i did that sub like subconsciously because i didn't I wasn't thinking of Candle Cove really when I was writing the book, but like, I do like when people make good decisions and I feel like it happens so infrequently in horror. And it's so much more than just like, why is she running up the stairs when she should be going out the back door or whatever? Like, yeah, <laughs> it, it's more than that. It's, it's like, why would you ever, why wouldn't you get everybody together and, and keep each other safe and stuff? Like um, I say it all the time, but like, you know the show the outsider i haven't read the book but the the show the outsider the stephen king thing mm -hmm. second to last episode is literally all of the main characters in one house in at least pairs some of them more all in like the same rooms together and it's like when do we ever see stuff like that and i right. think candle cove does a nice job of that mike has his mom to back him up you know he's yeah his final mission takes him one-on-one -on -one against his brother, but we know that that's coming because they set it up with them being twins and blah, 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 blah. They even kind of hint at the idea that maybe Mike was the bad one and Eddie was the good one, yeah. even though it's, it's so much more than just like a good twin, evil twin thing that you kind of, they, they put, you know, they plant that little seed in your head. It's a misdirect, but they plant mm -hmm. it anyway. Yeah. I just love, I love intelligently, made decisions in horror movies and horror you know fiction and stuff like that you probably didn't like barbarian because that's literally like horrible <laughs> decisions after <laughs> fucking horrible decision oh see i, I love i love <laughs> barbarian Bar it's, it's, it's fun but listen as a woman of color <laughs> to see a woman of color make perpetually terrible fucking decisions oh uh, i don't know you know no. i can't I, I think I think I just think she's a really good person. And so like to that I'm not end, going deeper into nothing. You can go fuck yourself. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not either. saving you. <laughs> I think I just I legitimately just think that like especially in that movie, she's just such a good person that she really does want to help you. Like she's like a superhero almost with how like brave she is and how I, I have like a lot of love for that character. Just I think she's so brilliant and so smart and so brave and I, I totally understand how people could see it as the total opposite, but yeah, but, but that's a mark of something awesome, right? Like we can see different things like, yes, you know, yeah, I mentioned it's, a, it's, a whole, it's a totally fun movie. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, when you think about it, it's almost like two movies. Yeah. Uh, slightly it's, and it's fun, but I feel like, oh my gosh, if she was just not making these decisions, like nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, like the minute she talks to, the professor or the the film producer or whatever and she's like you're saying where i would have been like yeah. why why what i'm gonna get my bags <laughs> just been out of there but i i get it i get it i get it but i think that this is great because i feel like to your point earlier that these anthology series and these original series there's so much right as someone who is <laughs> trying to shop an anthology series who keeps getting told mm, anthology series I don't think anybody's doing them right now and then like another season of Creepshow comes out um <laughs> so, yeah but every but every episode of Creepshow costs like 40 bucks and a pack of cigarettes to make yeah. so yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. as much yeah. as I like it that show oh. is not exactly the high bar of quality as Becca smokes I'm screaming um but I think that <laughs> I think that that is, I think we should see more of that. We should, anthology series just work. They really oh, yeah. do. Like, I mean, American years. Horror Story was on for forever. You know, yeah. I would love to see, you know, can you imagine, let's say, you know, this would have been my ultimate dream for the whole 
you know, for the series as a whole. Imagine if the fifth and final season of Channel Zero was given the ultimate creepy pasta, and they went to Victor Surge and the Marble Hornets guys and were like, "Hey, you want to do a nine episode Slenderman miniseries?" Mm-hmm. Holy shit! Like that would have been that would have been the the Chef's Kiss way to top off that whole franchise. And I think that we would still be talking about Channel Zero yeah. to this day. I mean, even though you and I are and like hardcore, you know, ghouls who love that show talk about it, I think publicly and like wider known mm-hmm. if that could have been the way it ended. Not that Dream Door is bad, because I, I think Dream Door is almost as good as uh, Candle Cove. But like, I especially love the lead, by the way, in mm-hmm. um, Dream Door. She's in my head sort of who I was picturing when I was writing the vile thing we created. Oh, I love. I yeah. Love. Her and, and Jakara Smith were the two. Ooh, I like I, her. I love Jakara Smith. I, I'm just like, she's from Nosferatu, so right? What's that? She's from Nosferatu, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, she did that movie Pure on Hulu, which is like the best horror movie on Hulu. Oh, I love So her. unbelievable in that. But yeah, so I was picturing like those two, but like that would be for me the ultimate even though there is a marble hornets movie and i like it a lot just seeing them be able to explore slender man in long form storytelling for across nine episodes across nine hours would have been insane yeah. and that's like my most sincere wish i don't know like i like creep show you know i think i think creep show is cool i think some episodes are better than others i think i don't think they've yet to top the episode with the dollhouse no um, on creep show like that's the high watermark but like it is so good and it can be so good and i just wish well you did the 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 shorts the nicks right the nyx yes. mm-hmm. like that is i remember what i'm and i watched this before i knew you i remember watching it and being like this is awesome <laughs> like, oh, this, hey. oh hey thanks <laughs> like they're more of this more of this and that's when shutter is at its best when they have stuff like that that otherwise the public wouldn't normally see necessarily when they're showing when they're able to present stuff like that it's it's that's the money yeah um yeah 100%. and i and, and thankfully channel zero is available on shutter yep and it's on um amazon prime too so oh, sweet if, you're, that's if cool. you're looking at it all you can get all the seasons um but i'm so happy that we were able to chat about this today finally jesus christ yeah. he's been waiting for me for like uh i don't know months <laughs> i i would wait for you as long as it took months oh don't say that don't don't say that because i'll be like you know what um um so i am glad that is this all worked out this all shook out but is there anything outside of the book coming out in april 18th you said is there anything else coming down the pike that you'd like to have the kids find you? Um, any podcasts that you're going to be on? Anything you're going to be on YouTube-wise, TikTok-wise? Where can the kids find you and your work? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Robert O'Tone. I'm going to be on some other podcasts. I'm going to be on the the Lovecraft Ezine podcast. Um, I'm going to be on, um, if this comes out before the book comes out, I don't know. Uh, I never know with these things, but like, I'm going to be doing a live book release party with Brad Proctor and Jay on paper cuts the night of April 18th. So nice. yeah. So you can watch that, which would be a lot of fun. I think like, I think we decided like seven o'clock, but I could okay. be wrong. Yeah. So that'll be really cute and fun. I love Brad and Jay. Like they're just the sweetest guys. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be doing a lot of things. So just, you know, follow me on the the socials and um, join my spooky house press mailing list so you can stay yes. up to date on all of the fabulous things we have coming out with my small press including a couple of books by somebody that i know <laughs> i was like oh what <laughs> literally <laughs> listening, listening intently um it's me yes um i will be published through spooky house press next year so i'm very very excited about that oh we're, i'm i'm over the moon and Aww. i've been um I've been actually talking to my friend who I would love to blurb your stuff. She's the, the tarot diva. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm also doing some book Tory type stuff. I'm going to be at Copper Dog Books in Massachusetts. Uh, I'm going to be in Scranton 
Pennsylvania at Barnes and Noble uh, in July, July 8th. And I'll be with, uh, yeah, I'll be with uh, C.W. Breyer. We're doing a book talk together. And I will be at, I can say this now, but I'm going to be at uh, a Barnes and Noble here on Long Island on May 5th, Friday, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. Um, Yeah, with um, Mr. Clay McLeod Chapman. Um, we'll, we'll be doing a book talk together and uh, that's going to be streamed live as well. So I love it. And then we'll both be at StokerCon. So it'll be great. Yes. Oh, the, yes. You're going, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're going to get Buck Wild. Yeah, that's right. We're going to get cigars. We're going to go to the. the we are going to get Buck Wild. We're going to go to the. My Davidoff dog is place. even in the mix. My dog is like, Buck Wild, bro. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so irrationally excited. For StokerCon, I'd be so excited. Even it's if- my first, and I'll Thanks. be an official author this year. Like the next month, my book will be coming out in July. That rocks. So I I'll be totes of fish this year. So and then can you bring me a copy that I can buy that you yeah. will sign for me? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Okay. I don't even care. Like, you know, I I'd be excited to go even if the nomination didn't come through. Like, I was just I was excited. I mean, I was excited to go even before. Mm-hmm. The, you know, like. But that's really that's really cool. That's like having feel a reason. So good too. Yeah, What's that? it's got to feel so good too to be to be nominated for that. It's just it's an honor to be nominated <laughs> for sure. And all the books in that category are fabulous. So yes. like it's it's just a privilege to be amongst them. And uh, I'm excited. I'm just really excited to see some people I haven't seen in a while or haven't met yet face to face. You included. Um, but yeah, we're gonna go nuts. We're gonna I'm like so destroy excited. Pittsburgh. Steve, we're gonna destroy Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh, can't, put coming. On, can't put that on the waves, the airwaves. <laughs> destroy it with love. Destroy it with love. Destroy, destroy it with love. love. Paint it pink. Um, yes. Seafood, whiskey is gonna be amazing. My job is awesome. going nuts right now about going wild. I don't know what's happening. I saw. I just want to say, I yeah. saw you celebrating. The other night with the yes. with the Suntory. Uh-huh. It's my favorite. Excellent pick. Yes. I love Suntory. I know as like Americans, we're not supposed to like Suntory, but they buy up all American barrels. <laughs> they do. So, they yeah. Do. That's an excellent as soon as I saw that, I was so happy. I was like, that's an excellent one to pick. Suntory. I love Toki and I love Habiki Harmony. Um oh, is amazing. Harmony. Yes. Oh yeah, because that's in the sake barrels, I think. Yep. Um yep. So yeah, we'll, sit, we'll talk, we'll talk, we'll discuss. I'm sorry, I'm holding you up. <laughs> oh my God, you're fine, this is great. All right, cool. Oh, kids. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited that we got to talk about this. I'm so excited for your book coming out. So do thank please you. follow him on the social medias. Do please sign up for Spooky House Press newsletters and emailings. And yeah, so have a good night. Oh my God, my freaking dog. Shut up. <laughs>